One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one did it better. And this week, we're boldly going where several pods have gone before and discussing Star Trek, and more specifically, pitting 1982's Wrath of Khan against 2013's Into Darkness. Exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy, left for dead, he has survived. Chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Now, shall we begin? So which film will live long and prosper, and which is being beamed into dead space? You're about to find out in Clash of the Title. Release the Kraken! Hello Clash Potters, I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Alex. My God, Carol, look at it. Zane. Alex, you found a snake. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, do you want to hear my snake story? I thought I you were joking. Yeah, yeah, I found a snake in the park, just a park in North London. Mm-hmm. I found a massive snake. How big? Uh, at least six foot. Yuck! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I've over exaggerated oh, right. just to impress you more. Oh. Maybe about five foot. It was really big. Was it? Yeah, and um, and so Simon found it and was like right next to it, barking at it. And yeah. I was like, Simon, what are you barking at, you idiot? And I got close to him and I was like, Oh my god! Fucking hell! That's a snake. What did you do? Uh, I called my friend Ian, who used to be the curator of reptiles uh-huh. at London Zoo, and he came down and he was like, oh my gosh, this is well, a North American moved. pine snake. It just stayed where it was. Yeah, apparently, according to him, who knows snakes, not me, he said it wasn't very well, it was a bit dehydrated oh. and was a bit skinny. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you can tell if a snake's skinny. Idiot. Uh, so but- you said North American pine snake. Mm. Not poisonous. Not poisonous. No. Okay. But still shouldn't be here. Should not be here. Probably someone's escaped pet or someone had gone, ah, this has got bigger than I thought. Well, and let it out it in, in the park. park. Yeah. And does it live with you now? Do you have adventures? No, it's gone with Ian. I did think about taking it, but no, I don't know how to look after a snake. I can barely look after a dog. Yeah. So it's gone to live with Ian. And, and it's called Simone. 
Oh, <laughs> have we got yeah. pictures that I could post on the old Twitter? Yeah, sure. Awesome. I, re- I thought you used Instagram. I did a whole Instagram story for the first time. <laughs> no. I mean, not for the first no. time, but send me and me and Blondine time. some pictures, and we'll post them on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Are you, stuff. Are you going to do uh, Vicky's weasel? Uh, Vicky, yeah, you have a weasel story. I think it was a weasel uh, just on the way home from school with the kids as a patch of grassland at the top of our street and a weasel jumped over the wall. Okay. <laughs> and we were like, oh, look, this is a weasel. And then took a photograph of it, actually. So you can have a photograph. Okay. It could be a ferret or it could be a stoat because I don't know the difference. Maybe the listeners can help out. Maybe yeah. we do. Maybe we have a vote. But it must be an escape pet. That's It's a very urban area. When mm. I say grassland, I mean a patch of grass. I don't mean a field or a park. Okay. I mean a patch of grass. And there was this creature, this mammal, just roaming free. Quite wow. friendly, actually. Maybe it was a tribble. No, it wasn't oh, a tribble. Thursday. Yep. That's coming Thursday. Look at that link out of small oh, talk. Yeah. He's trying to be nice about getting us to move back into... Yeah, it looks nothing like a tribble. ...trekking across the universe. Well, I'll be the judge of that when I see the picture. That's fair, yeah. The trouble with tribbles is they can... Oh, see what I've done there? Oh, oh, oh lovely goes. stuff. Uh, Vicky, yeah. why are we talking about Star Trek this week? So, I, you know, the other week you were like, I know all your stories and that bores me. Have I ever told you how big a part of my life Star Trek was for about five years? No, really? All right, really, all right. Right, so what era? Like, uh, when between about like twelve and 15. no, which era of Star Trek? Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you being me? I mean, no. I mean, like, I oh, okay. okay. I mean, um, I mean, like, was it the? Because I, I really got into Star Trek with the Next Generation. Yeah, it was that right? So what happened was, so my granddad was really into the original Star Trek, and then when the Next Generation was on Sky, and you know, we've all got that story. We couldn't have Sky, but we always knew someone who had. So my uncle had it, and he videotaped all of Star Trek Next Generation for my granddad. And so we used to spend summers in my granny and granddad's caravan and he would just watch Star Trek all the time. So if you wanted to watch telly, that's what you had to watch. So I just got so, so, so into it. My sister hated it. My granny hated it. But me and my granddad would stay up for hours Aww. watching all the Star Trek. So then I joined the fan club. Mm-hmm. I had a pin badge at school. This is my equivalent of your fucking briefcase story. Mm-hmm. And I've never told you this. Yeah, this is amazing. So I had a pin badge that said Star Trek fan club member. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I didn't get killed at school. And I don't know how. And the, mm. the scariest girl at school once came up to me what the fuck is that and I went it's a Star Trek fan club badge and she went alright and then walked off I was like oh my god was it Was it because they thought because you were in a Riot girl band you were wearing it in that ironic <laughs> way like yeah I'm a Star Trekker I'm a Trekkie yeah it's, no it predates that by about a year so I was just a geek wow and then oh and then when All Generation the shit she's given me I know wow and then when Generations came out I went down to the cinema in Blackburn and I begged him, the boy behind the desk, to give me the theatrical release poster, and he did. Wow. I know. It was really? just huge. Did you not walk out slightly disappointed? With Oh, what, by the film? Generations is rubbish. Um, I was of an age where I was just gutted that the Enterprise had been destroyed. I was devastated. So, doesn't it happen in every film? Yeah. <laughs> Vicky, would you say that TNG is your favourite crew era uh, yes 100% okay so you've decided to pick two films yeah, neither yeah. of which <laughs> yeah. are that era I know but they <laughs> amazing do, but they match very well they do they so, do yeah I know I know I realise that and it, but it's you know it's a good way for me to judge the new crew because the, the, no one compares to the next generation sure. crew but uh, it's, it means it's more of a fair fight and mm. also outside first contact there wasn't really a good next generation movie no, I mean, Generations is fine. It's all right. Yeah. Um, Insurrection is okay. Yeah. Nemesis is bad. <laughs> uh, but we aren't here to talk about no. them. Um, why did you pick these two? Uh, because they're the same film, mm. more or less. And was it your idea? No. No. Okay, good. What? What did you tease the truth out of me? <laughs> <laughs> if you've got something to ask me, just fucking ask me. This is like the replicant <laughs> test at the start of Blade Runner. 
Vicky, if you see a turtle on its back <laughs> and it's, it's baking in the sun, what do you do? It's, they're not my movies! <laughs> did anyone else suggest them? You? No, uh, you Aaron, Aaron Davis did, and also uh, Daniel Flynn did. Um, how, how would I know that? Because we talked about them in the pub. It was on our list. We all voted. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, 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 Daniel Flynn talked through his reasoning. I oh, thought did you might he? like to hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's I, quite I good this. It, yeah. uh, He says, despite the place Wrath of Khan holds in pop culture, it's worth asking if it really holds up, especially as a film in its own right, independent of its status as the good old Star Trek movie. A very On good the other point. hand, I think it's worth asking whether its modern cousin is truly as bad as it was initially thought to be, as well as examining in detail its somewhat unconventional choices. <laughs> um, and he's talking about Khan. So, uh, yeah, love that, Daniel. That's very good. Good points. Um, so, clue, Vicky. Uh, live twice as long and prosper. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, I remembered it. Liked it. Thanks. Liked it. Um, yeah. Catch me if you're Khan. Mm. <laughs> that, was my, that was mine. I came up with that. No. no. You, Anything you can't do, the, I can't do better. Yeah. Both of them. That we, the we like, we, no. We like them, <laughs> but they, they were just giving it away. I mean, I didn't bother putting up another clue because I thought people would get it. We posted a video of your clue and, yes, lots of correct answers. Quickest on the draw was Richard Cartwright and your prize is a commemorative Richard... Ricardo Montalban chest plate. <laughs> it's his real chest. <laughs> Fact. Wear it with pride. Um, right. Do we bother with the connection section? It's a remake, isn't it? I mean, it's there's. We're going to talk about them when we talk about the movie. I've got a very boring one. Both yes. sequels were intentionally designed to be standalone and enjoyed without seeing the previous film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Wrath of Khan is the favourite film of the creative team who made Into Darkness. Abrams. Orsi and Kurtzman. I mean, it's everyone, isn't it? No, I was thinking about this. Mm. I, I was a Voyage Homer. Sure, me too. Very much. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, that's what got me into Star Trek was Voyage Home. Because mm. it, I think the age I was when I saw it, I just found it very funny. Yeah, it was awesome. I think when you get a bit older... <laughs> Nuclear Wessels. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Chekhov. Brilliant. So funny. <laughs> Nuclear Wessels. Hilarious. I'm looking for the Nuclear Wessels. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you stop saying He it? does it that many times in the movie. <laughs> it is the big joke. <laughs> All right, let's go with it. On Thursday, Alex is trekking into darkness, meaning today I'm bringing the wrath. Captain's Log, star date 16052022. This podcast concerns the voyage of the Starship Enterprise, a vessel charged with exploring strange new worlds, finding fresh tale for its captain, and boldly going where one TV show has gone before because Wrath of Khan revolves around the star of 1967 Star Trek episode Space Seed, who's marooned on a planet that killed the love of his life and now wants revenge while showing as much chest as possible in a family film. It's a dark tale that kicks off with deadly earwigs, progresses to attempted genocide, and mostly plays like FaceTime the movie, with hero and villain space-timing rather than ever actually meeting in person. But it's now considered a stone-cold classic that shouldn't, under any circumstances, be remade. Presenting Star Trek II, <laughs> The Wrath of Khan. Woo. So, I'll kick off because we were talking about it anyway. Yeah, I, I, Star Trek was on the telly a lot when I was a kid. The original series on Sundays, it was all right. The films, I didn't really understand when I was a little kid because there wasn't a way in like Star Wars. There wasn't a Luke Skywalker. They were all old men. Mm. But yeah, part four was the one I fell in love with um, because it, it, it felt like it was made for kids. Yeah, and and it, as you said, it was funny. I bought the novelization. That's the first novelization I ever read. Oh, that's nice. And and then as I grew up, you kind of start seeing Star Trek in a different light because of the philosophy there and what Gene Roddenberry was getting at. And so this film didn't love it when I was a little kid in the way I love Star Wars. But I think as you old, as you get older and you start appreciating and understanding the themes, 
it gets much more interesting. Mm. That's my history with it. Alex? Uh, yeah, so like Vicky, Next Generation was my way into Star Trek. I think I remember seeing the original series, like you say, on Sundays yeah, maybe. On Sundays, Every yeah. so often. But I, I, it, was, it looked old already and I was like, this looks old. This is old TV <laughs> for old people. But Next Generation I loved. But I had actually seen some of the Star Trek movies, specifically Voyage Home by the time I'd seen The Next Generation. Wrath of Khan, I haven't watched for over 30 years. Mm. I was a kid, like maybe about eight when I saw this movie. And so going into it this week, I remembered two things. One is the ships playing cat and mouse in the nebula mm. at the end. And the other is obviously yes. the seti eel. I should have creature. said that. It's <laughs> yeah. second or third film to give me full on nightmares. Well, it's just horrible. Yeah. It's the bit where it goes in and comes out of Chekhov's ear. And you're like, what? Am- this is for kids? It's mad. And using the forceps to pull the babies out from underneath the plates on the adult. I was like... What? <laughs> what were they thinking? It's nuts. But yeah, that really stuck with me. Vicky. It's a, a very similar. Mm. So Next Generation. And then one day my granddad would have said, let's watch this. And I would have been interested because of my interest in The Next Generation. But uh, yeah, I've, number four was my favourite. I, I, I mean, I haven't watched this since I was about you know 10 or 11 years old. But the eels gave me nightmares for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, it's the wetness. That's yeah. the thing that gets me. You know what that was? Raspberry jam. Ooh. Does that make it nice? It, it, yeah, it, it always is raspberry jam. Yeah, that's, that's better now. Mm, that'd be one of those seti eels. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling them earwigs. Can I call them earwigs? You can call them what you want. I'm just calling them what they are called in the Star Trek canon. Seti eels. Because mm, yeah. the planet they sure. come from no, is I know. Seti. I know. Seti 5 I've got to say a lot today. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's kick off. Have either of you seen Series 1, Episode 22, Space Seed from the yeah. original Star Trek? <laughs> Did you re- <laughs> when, when did you watch it? Sorry, just for the record, Alex has his hand up. Yeah. Yes, Alex. Have yeah. you watched it? Yeah. Have you watched it recently? No. Ah, oh, I, I watched it this week Me in preparation too. for this show. And I will say this: this film is twice as good if you watch that episode. A thousand percent. I watched the episode after I rewatched it this week, okay. and I was like, I wish I'd watched this earlier. <laughs> it is. It's. It, they connect so brilliantly. It's so yeah. good because. Khan is kind of reasonable at the end of Space Seed. Like, Kirk basically lets him off all these charges of trying to take over the Enterprise and goes, look, we're going to give you this planet, this lovely planet. You can go down there and make it your home. And Khan actually says, I'm actually happy with that. I would rather, he quotes Milton, doesn't he? He goes, I'd rather uh, reign in hell than serve in heaven, Mm -hmm. or whatever the actual Mm. quote is. And so, like, the whole stuff about the planet exploding, like, and Kirk not knowing. But the funny thing is... In that original show, Kirk does say, we should come back here and see what seed has grown from the crop we've sown on this planet. Or Spock says it to him. And then they never do. So it's Kirk's fault for not going back and going, fucking hell, Khan's probably in trouble. It's it's Spock who says it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Just some some things I noticed this week. Um, Khan has a low cut shirt in in the TV series as well. Um, the, the big the big aspect of it that's lost here is that one of the Enterprise, um, a historian on the Enterprise called McGivers, goes down with them, falls in love with Khan, and ends up going to the planet with Khan. She is the wife right. that dies, <sighs> yeah, and course. so we'll talk about that a little bit when we get into the film because I think that's a little bit of a loss here. They they wrote her out. I think it was because the actress wasn't too well in real life, or, or it just might have muddied the waters a little bit. But um, well, it would have been an interesting, it would have been an interesting story if you'd had an Enterprise officer on his side when they were at war. Yeah, here. I guess so. So his vengeance then wouldn't have been for his wife because that's his motivating factor. But you give them a kid who's died. Okay, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's not hard to do. But um, 
Yeah, he's he's also studied the tech manuals of the Enterprise in the episode, so that's why he knows all about the ships here. And um, yes, as you say, uh, Kirk doesn't think he's doing anything that wrong. Mm. He sends him down and he compares it to Australia's Botany Bay. Mm -hmm. He says, those men went on to tame a continent, Mr. Khan. Can you tame a world? And Khan is well up for it. Mm. So, um, yeah, that is Space Seed. So behind the scenes, um, motion picture, the first movie. Um, it's slow and it's weird and it's a bit boring and it, it was way too philosophical for that Star Wars audience they were trying to grab. Mm. Even though it made a lot of money, it cost a fortune and people didn't really like it. Um, it was too cerebral. The visuals were all over the place I've and they forgot it. the action. They forgot the adventure. Yeah, I can't remember it. The only bit that I remember going, ooh, at, and then not understanding is something to do with Apollo 11 they find at the very end or something. There's a moon lander. Right. That's it. That's yeah. the only memory I have. And because of the effects, which were pretty good, the budget was just out of control. So for Wrath of Khan, they developed it rather than through the movie studio, they developed it through their TV division to get the budget right down. And they weren't happy with the work that Gene Roddenberry had done. So they made him take a back seat, which <laughs> causes some problems during this production. He became a consultant and a guy called Harve Bennett took charge and he watched every episode and he, uh, in preparation, and he said Space Seed stayed with him. He was thinking about that exile, um, which I think is ballsy. When the first film didn't really please people, to then go back to an episode and a character and pull him out, mm. I think that would be even more of a chance you're taking. Especially yeah. someone who doesn't end an enemy. That's the thing. Mm. Like, they've got like this weird piece. Yep. But you'd go back and you'd go, oh, that was a brilliant enemy. Let's bring them back. Mm. But someone who was basically, a f not a friend, but you know what I mean, quite neutral ground. Yeah, yeah it is. I, right. I, I will say, Half Bennett, um, Nettie wasn't a fan of his decision. She went, when Khan turns up in this, she went, what on earth is he talking about? And I was like, so, there's an episode called Space Gone, out of the room. <laughs> she was like, she didn't want to hear it. She was not interested. She was like, I was like, from a 60s television show, she, no, not interested. I'll come back for Into so you Darkness. Didn't, you didn't show her Space Seed first? <laughs> no, no. That was all... I don't blame you, Nettie. <laughs> Um, and it was also the way the crew fell over when the deck hit the the consoles explode. Mm. She was like, "Ugh, no, <laughs> yeah, not watching this. It's a bit, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it?" Um, so he needed a director, and the first person he interviewed was Ron Howard. Oh, Ron Howard wow. he directed this, but Nicholas Meyer was the guy who got his attention. Someone who'd written some Sherlock Holmes stories and done a Jack the Ripper movie, and um, he'd never watched an episode of Star Trek before. But his pitch was to make it more human and less wooden. Um, and he found his way into this story by pretending they were on a ship rather than in space. Mm. He was pretending they were on the high seas. And basically, they'd written five drafts. None of them were working. They sent him all five drafts, and he did a page one rewrite and saved the film, as Half Bennett says. Um, Maya said, we picked the things we liked. We picked Kirk and his son. We picked Khan. We picked Genesis. We picked Lieutenant Savick. These are all the elements of the other scripts, which I cobbled together with my own dialogue and plotting. Yeah, he did that weird thing, didn't he? He basically sent all the previous drafts to everyone on the production and went, just write a list of what you like and give it to me. <laughs> and they all wrote down the favourite line of dialogue, their favourite character, the favourite idea, gave it to him, and he made the script from those lists. Cool. And that script didn't go down well with the cast, um, who are famously difficult, I think, this cast, it's fair to say, to work with. Um, Shatner said he hated it, and Maya said that, he realized. It took him a while to realize that Shatner wanted Kirk to be first through the door, every in every scene. Yeah. He wanted to be young and virile rather than old and exhausted. <laughs> and like one specific thing is, he didn't want them to specify Kirk's age was forty nine. 
that was in the script and he said, I don't think we need to say what his age is because he wanted to seem like he was younger. He said, didn't he say, with enough makeup, I can play younger Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> so Maya went away, spent a day rewriting it specifically for Shatner. Shatner loved it, called him a genius. Roddenberry didn't like it. He felt it was too militaristic, too violent, too jingoistic. Maya pulled back on some of that stuff. Nimoy didn't like it. He said he couldn't understand Spock's function in the film. And Maya's really interesting looking back on it. He said that working with this um, cast, there's feuds, there's cliques, there's jealousies. He says some of them hate each other, but by this point they've come to terms with the fact that their fate is to be in each other's company <laughs> because this, they're, they're larger than the sum yeah. of their parts. Does it remind you what of a, anything? What a familiar feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, something we can do about it now. Isn't it weird how this is, your, this is what your life is? Maya says it reminds him of something as well, but not us. Um, he, <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, when asked about working with them, he said, have you seen the film Galaxy Quest? He said, that movie was made about me. <laughs> and when you think about it, that's funny. Um, but he took all this criticism on board. Um, he updated the script to try and please everyone. But he wanted to maintain these themes of friendship, old age and death, which is why he initially, um, the, his title was different to Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan's not his title. Mm. Do you know what he called this movie? Dead old undiscovered man. country. The undiscovered country. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what it was made under. And they changed it to Wrath of Calm without us speaking to him about it while he was editing the film. Oh. But he saved it for, for part six. Yeah. So shall we see if he succeeded? Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's talk about the movie. And I've broken it up into sections, especially for Alex. Uh, section one is called Back in Training. So, yeah. You know what, Dang? Do you know what that is? <laughs> Do you know what that reference is? No. <laughs> and I'm not bothered. <laughs> she doesn't care. Okay. <clears throat> no. Um, so we're in the 21st cent- third century even, and we start on Spock's pointy ears because Maya said, that's all I knew about Star Trek. <laughs> Spock's ears. So I thought, let's start on what we know. Um, and there's a training mission happening. Everyone's on the bridge. The old crew are on the bridge, but also we've got uh, Captain Savick played by Kirsty Alley. Or Mr. Savick, as Shatner calls him at one point. She is called Mr. Savick. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what that's from? Well, because it's a ship, and so you have it's mm. based on like naval references. I thought it was from when the navy didn't have any women in it. If you were an ensign, you were called Mister mm. rather than ensign, right? So that's why. Because when she's she's acting captain during the training procedure, yeah. but obviously she's not actually a captain. She's an ensign. Oh, I thought it was something to do with Mister Spock, but no, that's no. better. Yeah, that's much better. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. So Kubayashi Maru, do you want to talk about that, Alex? I feel like you're a Kubayashi Maru fan. I mean, I didn't realise that this was the first time it was mentioned Mm. in the Star Trek universe in this movie, but it's obviously the famous test, an Mm. unwinnable situation Mm. that everyone knows Kirk is the only person who's ever done it because he cheated. He reprogrammed the computer the day before so he could win it. But I did find out that the writer, Jack Soward, created it, uh, named it after his neighbours. So this thing that we all talk oh, about, wow. like the Kobayashi Maru test, like it's this like a strange name, yeah. sci-fi thing. It was his neighbours. Brilliant. Amazing. How did you feel about the film starting by tricking the audience, by making us think everyone's dead? Oh, I, yeah. The trouble is because if you haven't seen this film for such a long time and then you open with this, the Kobayashi Maru, in the first new Star Treks, mm. the J.J. Abrams one, 
So I already you you like, oh there it is there's the thing that they copied mm. they did so I didn't feel that bothered about the fake out because I knew what was going to happen. It was done, wasn't it? I mean, in part, I mean, can you put your shoes then in someone who was watching this first time? Do you think this is a good way of starting a film? Thought, oh, good question. I, yeah, yeah, I thought it was great because mm. like I said, I haven't seen this for thirty years and I, I genuinely didn't realise it was a training exercise. I'm like, what is going on? Mm. Until people, the main cast started actually dying, and then you're like, okay, so this is a this is a fake out. Yeah, but wasn't part of the reason yes. was because. It entered the ether that Spock was you know, going to die. Yeah, spoiler so, alert, Spock dies at the end of this oh, film. Shit, we'll we, get there. Oh, God. Um, but um, that was leaked. Do you know by who? It was literally leaked by someone specific. I bet it was Roddenberry. It was Roddenberry. Roddenberry. because oh, he was pissed off. He was pissed off. But talk about trying to screw your own blooming franchise. Mm. Yeah. Um, he's the one that leaked it. And um, Maya said... We've been getting letters from a lot of people who were very alarmed at the prospect of Spock dying. I remember I got one that said, if Spock dies, you die. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was mumbling to myself about these letters while we were waiting for the projectionist to thread up something. And I said, yeah, we should kill him in the first scene, kill him in the simulator sequence. Half world round and said, that is brilliant. So we suddenly killed him in the opening scene. Otherwise, he always died at the end. But killing him at the beginning sort of disarmed the audience. So they forgot that's what the movie was about. Yeah. Clever. Look at you. Oh, Oh, geez! Someone said if Spock dies, you die. Did you write that letter, Trekkie? <laughs> From your fan club? No. Can you believe what they're doing to Spock? It was a gentle place to be. Very nice place. Yeah, it was lovely. It was, um, yeah, I don't know what a modern day equivalent is, but my experience... The Woodcraft folk. Oh, um, Marshall's joining the Woodcraft folk. Did you do the Woodcraft folk? No. How no. do you know about them? Because my mum was quite keen for me to join the Woodcraft yeah. folk and I was like, I want to join the Cub Scouts. Why? I want really... a uniform. But Orders. What about the Jesus thing? Is that part of the Cub Scouts? I thought it was. I mean, do you know what the fuck do I know? I don't. I, I mean, it was all based on the Jungle Book, as far as I remember. <laughs> That's all I know. Like you know, well, I was our a, Kayla, I was we a, do our a best. Guide for a bit, and they tried to make me go to church, and I didn't want to be a guide anymore. So, and I thought the guys. Well, we used a Methodist church hall to meet. Oh, him, here we but go. No one ever said. And uh, do you and have you Jesus. have you learnt your prayers? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, sure. As long as there are no further questions. God love those prayers. Love prayers. I mean, not God love those prayers. I mean, I love those prayers. Yeah. God's prayers. Mm -hmm. Carry on, Chris. Carry on, Chris. Yep. Okay. Um, so we got we see some glimpses of Nick Meyer trying to humanise, as he said, uh, this, these movies. So if you notice when um, Spock and Kirk are walking down a corridor, there's a bloke hoovering in the background. Yes, I saw you didn't see that in old in old Star Trek. This yeah. is something he put in specifically. He wanted the Enterprise to have a noise. Yeah. So he used the sound of an air conditioner in his office and it's sort of whirring. Yeah. Um, he wanted trousers in their, uh, sorry, pockets in their trousers. For their bits. And they couldn't afford to put pockets on all the trousers. That's was, not true. It was done on a really, yeah. really small so budget. So the budget for this is about a third of the budget of the first movie. But it well, costs next to nothing to put pockets on trousers. I know, but I mean, they had to use like, footage up. from the You're old right. series to, like, there's, there's actual shots from the original series yeah. in this movie oh, because there? they couldn't afford to do them wow. again. There's a few examples as we go along of Maya just pissed off when he went doing the commentary of, at some of the visuals because they just, they would not give him the money. Right. And they couldn't afford pockets on the trousers, but they did afford a flap that Kirk undoes when <laughs> yeah. he's getting hot and bothered he, that serves that no flap. function yeah. whatsoever. It's it just a flap. No, that he it undoes. does because he ends up with a bloody handprint on it. Right. It's white. So it's, right. so it's, it's the only it's reason. But it's, yeah. He does it like, I'm getting a bit hot. It doesn't cool you down no. taking the first layer of a flap off. I've always hated that because it's in a lot of the other films and because it, it looks like a bib. Mm. So it looks like he's just sat down for a big dinner, a big ribs dinner perhaps, <laughs> and stuffed a napkin <laughs> down his top. <laughs> 
So it's Kirk's birthday. He gets a tale of two cities from Spock. He gets some Romulan ale from mm. Bones. Want to try that? I want some of that. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if we can get some after in the pub. I imagined it was a kind of absinthe style drink. Yeah. That's what I. That was how I, my brain went absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just absinthe. And everyone agrees that Kirk's got to get his command back. Yeah. Right. Second. Did you like this stuff? Can we talk about the fact that McCoy gives him some glasses? And goes, these are hard to come by mm-hmm. uh, with their lenses intact. And Kurt goes, because you invented the special fluid yep. that means we don't need glasses in this century. Yep. But I'm allergic to it. Yeah. So from that, do you assume that Kirk has been raised to the level of admirable, has captained the Enterprise, (laughs) but not been able to see what he was doing until McCoy dug up some spectacles? That's nuts. I wondered if, and not to invoke this again, because this is the third time I've done it, or you did it the first time, is it Jude Law in the holiday, sound the alarm, he's wearing glasses, (laughs) and he's trying to make him sexy? Do you think? No, it makes no sense (laughs) that in the 23rd century, we've not, got a slightly improved laser eye surgery. It's pretty good now. It's pretty Pretty good now. now. And the stuff they're doing in this film is leaps ahead. Yeah, it's just, it's it's nuts that they sort of go, we'll make you some glasses because we know what they are and we can still do that. It's like, oh, you're allergic to the fluid? Fuck you. (laughs) Nothing for you. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that hard. The door's there. There, Left. Left. There's the door. You only go forward anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. Right, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll be meeting Khan. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. <laughs> and we're back with a section I'm calling Assi- oh. Assignment Seti Alpha. Cool. Okay. Uh, check off. Come on. What? She doesn't care. It doesn't matter. All right, fine. Stop making a big deal about it. Fine. Uh, check off. And Captain <laughs> Tyrell, played by Paul Winfield, are in the Reliance searching for a lifeless planet for Project Genesis, which is a machine that creates life from nothing. The uh, clue is in the fucking title. <laughs> Someone's like, but what is Genesis? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I know, it could be to do with a band that's sure. led by either Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins. It's the lost box set. <laughs> Uh, they beam down to a planet and they find what remains of the SS Botany Bay. We know oh. what that is if we've watched Space Seed. Uh, yep. um, Khan reveals himself and he's played by Ricardo Montalban. Yep. Victor Ludwig from The Naked Gun. <laughs> he's got one hell of a face, oh. hasn't he? Um, he only removes one glove. Um, Nick Meyer says the thing he gets asked second most about this film is why. <laughs> and he says, it's not my job to supply answers. <laughs> Um, there's absolutely no reason but yeah apparently it's a mystery why he only removes one glove Um, but he did say that when Ricardo arrived on set everyone up their game like he was sort of on another level Um, he recognises Chekhov (laughs) how does he recognise Chekhov Alex this is the best thing in the world Chekhov isn't even in Star Trek during the Spacey episode he's not joined till the next season okay so how does he recognise him then? Uh, it's literally there is no reason. They've tried to hmm. explain it away in the novelizations and sort of go, right. oh well, he was actually on the Enterprise. He just wasn't on the bridge, but he was promoted later on, and he he was aware of Khan. But genuinely, the filmmakers just assumed Chekhov was part of the bridge crew, and he'd met Khan, and then went. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Maya said I don't watch Star Trek and he said I could just as easily have switched it around Uhuru could have been in that scene I never wasted any thought on it or he just could have had a badge oh I don't know you two well, you're from the Enterprise you say great yeah. done that's done um, you can't mess with the whole you're messing with the Star Trek universe there suddenly they're wearing badges with sure. Enterprise on <laughs> yeah. my name is Chekhov and I work on the Enterprise how can I help you, I help you? so we learn if you need any help just ask <laughs> So we learned that the nearby uh, SETI Alpha 6 exploded six months after they were dropped there, uh, shifting their orbit, laying everything to waste, and Kirk never bothered to check on their progress. And only Khan's genetically engineered intellect allowed him to survive. So all of Khan's anger stems from the fact that Kirk didn't do a pop-in. Yeah. yeah. And also on a serious script issue, script note, uh, if, say, you'd not seen this, uh, the, the episode, and then you're like, oh, here's Khan, he's like, I'm superior, my intellect is superior, my superior intellect is what kept us alive. Star Trek is famous for like details, always like made up science and sometimes real science, but loads and loads of details. So, how did your superior intellect keep everyone alive? Just one thing where he goes, "Oh, I, this water filtration system done." But also, show don't tell because yeah. we're told many times this. There's not very often in this film where he actually shows that he's superior intellect. Nope. Um, he seems slightly inferior. Yeah. Quite a few it's just uh, a bit moments sketchy. in this film. There's a few times where it's sketchy on the science, which surprises me as a long-term Star Trek fan. Whereas they take any opportunities, like if you move this alpha ray over this. T- two inches to the left, then you get this. Um, Nick Meyer, also, what's the question he gets asked most about this film, Alex? I feel like you must have read this. Is the chest real? Is the chest real? Uh, and <laughs> what his answer, weird question. His answer is, yes. Is it any weirder than why one glove? <laughs> no, yeah. I, mean, I think one glove is a sort of, is, is there an aesthetic reason for, for that? Or is there some sort of character note? But like, 
Is your chest real? Uh, it's slightly different, yeah, but right. it does look a bit plastic. It does. It's, oh it's my a God. bit too shiny. Because it, his face has aged, yeah. but yeah, his chest yeah. is the chest of a 20-year-old uh, man, a bodybuilding 20-year-old. Uh, but Maya says, yes, that is his real chest. He always worked out. He was very conscientious that way. Okay. Um, so that also his crew, Khan's crew, uh, uh, <laughs> Maya, when asked about that, he said he wanted the fugitive look of a motorbike gang that had been left out in the desert too long. <laughs> he got it. Got it. Nailed it. He's yeah. got it. Uh, and here we get the indigenous life form scene. The seti eel, the earwig, um, killed 20 of Khan's people, including his beloved wife. If it's that dangerous, why have you got one in a tank in your house? <laughs> Because of his superior <laughs> intellect, oh, yeah. that's the evidence. <laughs> right. He's managed to capture a seti eel yeah, and put and it in a tank. It. But yeah. Vicky, is this an example of a storytelling um, concept that we don't like? What? Has have we have we fridged the wife? Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, because sometimes I don't even notice because it's so commonplace. Um, it's different because he's a baddie, so mm. you're not meant to like him. So if he's got this little, he's got. Oh, I've got the dead wife. I don't. My most hated fridging thing is when someone invokes the death of their partner to be like, I please sympathise with me. I'm so deep and I feel mm. feelings and I I can't bear that. Mm. When you're a baddie, okay. I suppose it's okay. It's we'll a, but like you say before, it's just a bit frustrating because it would have been good to yeah. see you. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the visual of um, the big rubber the eel. Yeah. But for me, it was it was also the, the concept of it. It enters through the ear, wraps around your cerebral cortex. Mm. I don't think I'd ever heard that before. And it makes you susceptible to suggestion. And then and the fact it grows in your brain and madness follows and then death. It's just all those words were terrifying to a six-year-old. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the worst thing. And then it, it, with it being placed on the face inside the helmet, so it's oh, sort of trapped God, in there. That is awful. It's, it's because awful. you you can't you you are aware it's happening and you can't do anything to stop it, it's, and so you yeah. just have to sit there and allow this thing to crawl, and you'll feel it crawling into your ear hole. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um, okay, next section. Their first assignment. <laughs> uh, because Kirk takes the Enterprise out on a minor training cruise. Right. Quick stop off here on the fact that he uh, allows uh, Sarek, uh, Savik, sorry, to to drive it, drive the Enterprise, pilot the Enterprise, captain the Enterprise out of the space dock. Take it out. Take it out. And I think it's Spock or Bones goes, are you OK with her doing this? And Kirk looks terrified, like really <laughs> nervous, like this is actually a, a big thing, a mm. big ask of Mr. Savik. Yeah. And she says, aft engines, half impulse power. Mm-hmm. That's it. Forward. And then it just goes in a straight line. <laughs> I could fucking do that. Yeah, you, it's All hard you do to is fuck it up. I thought we were going to get a kind of Denise Richards in Starship Troopers where she does something a bit edgy. <laughs> like she turns a bit earlier and it's like, oh, wouldn't have done that, but she's done it because she's good. But no. Yeah, really, right. really easy for you're anyone right. but you, obviously. <laughs> we serve a bad driver. Yeah, she drove into a bus. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, last week we discovered this. This isn't new information. It is new information. <laughs> I was just about to say, but then I lessons and got good but I failed my test four times and the four. first time four, no that's a lie I failed it three times passed it on the fourth the first one I didn't get out of the test centre before I failed what did you do? I did a bay park and nearly drove into someone's car great in the car park I and then she, she said she just looked at me she was like how do you think that went and I was like I don't well by your face not very well she went do you want to do the rest of the test I was like I guess she's like you do know you failed I was like yes I do <laughs> I failed on my first. I passed on my second. The first one, I really did nearly kill a cyclist. Did so you? Were was, you quite yeah. young, though? Yeah, 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 I was 18, yeah. yeah. 
No, I remember the last time you told that story. Yeah. Um, no. I actually don't. I don't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I don't. You've well, got to try and remember. The <laughs> listeners will remember. I don't know who I prefer, you for not saying that, or Chris because he listens. So. <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? Um, so have either of you watched the director's cut of this film? That's I what nearly I watched. did, but That's I what you watched. Yes. I think it's slightly better. I watched them both this week, um, okay. one with the, the director's cut with the commentary. Will you point out the bits that are... I'm just going to do one. Great. So um, not many, but uh, there's a scene here that was deleted against Nick Meyer's... Um, beliefs, uh, wishes. So when Kirk boards the Enterprise and meets some of this training crew, there's a deleted scene where he meets midshipman Preston, who basically calls Kirk an idiot. It's quite a funny scene yeah. because we learn that this is Scotty's nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, he steps in to reveal that Preston is his sister's youngest. And it's such important information because <laughs> later in the film, that's the dead person. That's the guy that dies. Yeah. yeah. And that's why Scotty's so upset and for some reason is carrying him <laughs> from deck to deck. Who does that? But I mean, he's a big the... man, but he's out of shape. Yeah. I mean, also, it's, it's like, it's, what is he doing? Look at what you've done. Take yeah. him to the sick bay. Yeah, what are you doing breeze? here? He's still alive at that point. <laughs> it, it could have been the lift journey that killed him. <laughs> So Maya said this is one of the second most annoying, upsetting battle that he lost because he thinks the film is better with this It's crackers to, to, to take that out because then when Scotty, like, when he's on the bridge, you're like, why are you, why are no you here? You've no gone, you took the wrong turn. It, may, it does make Scotty look like he's gone mad. Yeah, it does. Does anyone do, do bring it here? Do we do this here? Where do I bring this? Is this the right place for a half-dead man? Oh, watch out, Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> That's just as good. Yeah, I think it is. It is. It is. Oh. Uh, so, so uh, this is around the time we meet Mind Control Chekhov, um, who makes Kirk's ex Carol and his estranged son David think the military is taking away their invention, the Genesis machine, to use as a weapon. And we get the very Roddenberry line: "Scientists have always been pawns of the military," mm. which is going to come back on Thursday. But there's lots of big lines around this. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, it will. Uh, there's lots of big lines in this section. Spock saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, yep. which is, I think, if we were doing connection section, that's probably the theme of both movies. Mm. Um, Spock says, you're my superior officer. You're also my friend. I have been and always shall be yours. Yep. This is all important stuff. And we get some fun stuff from Khan. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia, <laughs> round the Antares of Milestorm, round Perdition's flames. Um, Maya said when he was writing that... He was laughing his arse yes, off. <laughs> yeah, he was laughing his arse off and he was deeply concerned. And he said, when I watched Ricardo perform it on set, I got goosebumps. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. He's paraphrasing um, Moby Dick, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Amazing stuff. Right, next scene, uh, next section. Starfleet under siege. I love it. Okay, thank it's you. So good. Um, come on. I don't know what's happening. You know it now. He's, everyone's a bigger clue. Fine, keep going. Right. US Reliant appears, uh, but doesn't communicate. And um, Savick tells Kirk when communications have not been established. She's trying to tell him to put the shields up. <laughs> Spock interrupts her, and even though they've got a yellow alert, um, Kirk ignores Savick, and because of that. All of this happens. It's all Kirk's fault for not listening to Savitt. Yep. It's super annoying. I mean, I guess it's part of Kirk's personality, but this is such a major mistake. He should never be allowed in charge also, of the ship quite, again. It's probably quite basic mm. as well for like, yes. like that's not. She's not like this obscure rule that you will have forgot. <laughs> ah, shut up! It's more fun this way. <laughs> um, yeah, he does sort of not really apologise later. He goes and also always listen to Mister Savick, but yep. not really. I'll do it again next time. <laughs> uh, so they get hit hard. Scotty appears with a dead bloke in his arms. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. And then in the sick bay, the sick bay, Scotty's nephew wakes up mm, and, and ignores his uncle completely and goes, Kirk, is everything, <laughs> is everything okay? Kirk? And it's like, what? Your last breath was to talk to Kirk because everything has to revolve around Shatner. 
Yeah. As Norman says, when I watch the, the theatrical version, I don't understand why he's so freaked out. <laughs> um, so the Reliant now wants to discuss terms of surrender and calm appears on screen. Oh, were allowing... you excited? Were you so excited about, like, I was like building up to that moment going, I just want to see Shatner's face mm. when Khan appears on the screen. And he does some amazing face acting. They both do. Because Khan looks, when he's like, oh, he's going to talk to me in a minute. He looks really excited. And then obviously some great face acting. From mm, and, and, he, and he whispers calm this time. Um, so uh, they managed to lower the Reliance Shield from the Enterprise because it's a five-digit code you need. Yeah, like, they were hacking the Reliance. That's this a, is, it's 1982, so it's quite good. It's piss-poor security. <laughs> it's just five numbers, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not even a thumbprint. They have an eye scanner, but yes. gone, we'll just protect this whole vessel with five digits. Wait, it, it, can you imagine if there were two friendly ships, but what, the captains kind of didn't like each other? They just kept hacking <laughs> each other's ships. Oh, someone put their shields down in this battle. Stop doing it. We are at war. <laughs> Um, there's a line that Shatner gets here here it comes just before the moment happens and Maya it's a good example of this Maya said he would make Shatner do lines over and over again this one in particular because he was telegraphing what was about to happen and he said that directing William Shatner he's acting like a hero until he gets bored and Mm. you got into the place you got to get into the place where he's bored and then he becomes Kirk and so he said he would even pretend that a light hadn't worked or something just to make Shatner do it again. Wow. To get him to this, to manipulate him into this place. Okay. Um, so the Enterprise fires, Khan must withdraw. And then we're into the next section, which I'm calling Enterprise on Patrol. Leave it. Keep going. <laughs> Bones, Kirk and Savick beam down to regular one to see Carol and David in the Genesis machine. They find a bunch of dead bodies and Chekhov hidden in a cupboard. It's fucking Predator. Yeah. Dead bodies hanging upside yeah, down. Well, yeah, well, pre- Predator's this. Yeah, sorry. It yeah. takes but, um, a sharp turn. It's good. Uh, not as in tonally. No, actually, as in tonally. But it's not the sort of thing you see in your regulation Star Trek, no. not the 60s one. Um, Chekhov says he put creatures in our bodies to control our mind. Um, Kirk doesn't ask if the creatures are out no, yet. No, that would be my first question. Sc- oh, taking it out, though, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And also... Tyrell's but- clearly in a trance, by the way. And um, <laughs> both of them... <laughs> Paul Winfield's doing some face acting that says, I'm in a trance. <laughs> Tyrell, Tyrell. Uh, he's fine. Uh, but like, also, for two men who've got things inside their heads, they're pretty calm. They're like, yeah, what do you need from us? Yeah. Where are we going? <laughs> yeah, call down to the planet. Yeah, we're up for that. Yeah. Like, do, you, do you not want to get them out yet? Do you want to get them out yet? <laughs> so the Reliance crew is now marooned on SETI Alpha 5. There's some stuff about it'll take six days to fix the Enterprise or maybe two days. And this is great because they're speaking about damaged Enterprise, but they suspect they're being listened to. So they talk in code mm. where days means hours to outsmart Khan, although we don't know that yet. It's really neat. To outsmart Khan's superior intellect where <laughs> yeah. he goes, remember Savick? So, in her opinion, days are hours and hours are minutes. Mm, can't break that code. Uh, they beam down to where the Marcuses are, um, this underground barren planet. Uh, David attacks his dad and we get some proper Star Trek karate punches and chops. Yeah, it's brilliant. He doesn't know he's dead at this point, though. No. Does he? Right, OK. I, cause I, I don't think out. he does. He's, no, he doesn't. Yeah, doesn't I didn't think they did. I think we assume... Does, does Kirk know that he's got a son called David or did Carol keep it from him? Carol's or, kept it from him. Or has she told him just to not come around? I got. Sorry, that. yes. Kirk knows. Yeah. Kirk knows that that's his son. But he was told not but to. But David doesn't know that Kirk's his dad. And weirdly, we never get that scene where Carol goes, no. he's your dad, which would be quite an emotional scene. Mm. Yeah. But we just get him turning up at the end going, mm, I kind of know. This is actually fine. Yeah. She uh, told me. <laughs> you know, just downstairs. We're having a coffee. <laughs> Tyrell and Chekhov uh, turn on them and... And um, Chekhov's loyalty to Kirk defeats his earwig. 
Um, Ew. So it doesn't. The Kiwig doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Right. It's supposed to go mad and yeah, die. It just leaves. It just buggers off. Yeah. Okay. Good. Fine. Uh, they, wimp, they wimp out. They wimp out. I think there. Um, so Kirk shoots the eel here when it mm. comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roddenberry didn't like that. He said it's a new life form. And they should be studying rather than kill it. That's what Star Trek is. Okay, yeah. And I can see where he's coming from there. Yeah. <laughs> really? I yeah. don't know. It's just come out in a bloody mass from someone's brain. It's like, ooh, pet? It doesn't know it what it's doing. No, you study it. It's not a pet. No. You study these things. Oh, there you go. You see it, you, you see another weasel <laughs> jumping over a wall. You don't, see, you don't yeah. see David Attenborough going around killing the deadly ones. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. Although, weirdly, I'd watch that. <laughs> David Amber just punched a Komodo dragon. <laughs> this is the best. I'm going to talk about David Amber Planet Earth ever. Well. Um, <laughs> he just knocked his teeth right out. <laughs> Fucking Attenborough! That's what you'd call it. Fucking Attenborough. <laughs> um, so, Kirk... <laughs> He's wrestling a moose. They're not even de- deadly. <laughs> he just likes it. <laughs> Where did he get that gun? <laughs> Kirk winds Khan up and Khan leaves them marooned at the heart of a dead planet. And then what does Kirk say, Alex? <laughs> when? Oh, sorry. Let me do it. Let me get my face wobble on. you got to get the face wobble. <laughs> Khan! Very good. Very good. And it sort of echoes yeah. through the universe. Khan! Um, Khan! Khan! So Kirk's feeling a bit down now, a bit worn out, um, a bit old. And um, <laughs> this is the one line that Maya wishes he could change. Carol says to him, let me show you something that will make you feel young. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, and she's like, it gets laughed because people think she's talking about her tits or something. <laughs> and it's the Genesis machine. So. I just, I heard that line and I just thought, you get away with that because it's a sci-fi op- space opera. Yeah. So it kind of just about squeaks through. But it's a bit like no one talks like that. You sort of like maybe they do mm. in that in the future. In the future yeah. Like they're sort of like they're bored. He's a, so he's a bit embarrassed. That's the one line he's embarrassed by. Okay, good. Um, so uh, Marcus shows him the results of the Genesis. This is where that first shot of of the forest uh, Maya loves, and then the second shot of them standing above it looks yeah. really fake, and he hates. And he just says it's so frustrating. The studio says they'll give you the money to finish the effects and they don't. And then you end up just hating the visuals of your own movie. Uh, we learn how he won the Kobayashi Maru. Mm, um, he tells Savit he cheated. Yeah. He cheated. So he didn't actually face the no-win situation. So he didn't face death. So he doesn't believe in the no-win situation. I don't know. It just I don't feel like he's learned anything, has he? Well, he's learned how to cheat. But that but he hasn't faced death. But that's isn't that the mo isn't that the so. fact that like but now he's going to have to face death. So actually cheating didn't benefit him because mm, now he's yeah. in the real world and, and, and he's gonna have to face the situation he never faced. Yeah, exactly. He's he st- he states here, I don't believe in it. Mm. No, and he, he is about to believe in it. Um so Spock beans on the board, um, because we learn he lied over the comms. Um and Savik discovers that switch through the same time we do. I love that. Right, next section. Mission to Nebula. <laughs> no, keep right. going. Uh, so uh, the Reliant and the Enterprise are closing in on the Nebula. Um, as Mai says in the commentary, now we're in the world of submarines or, or a dogfight in space. Um, for me, watch it this time. They're slowly drifting past each other. It all seems a lot more down to luck because you forget that they've got no radar. So it's all done visually. So when unless they can see the other ship on the monitor, which is always static, mm. they've no idea where they are. So... While it seems like they've done tactics, it's all just very much it's, luck of the draw. It's a weird game of hide and seek. I don't think it's terribly dynamic visually. It reminded me a bit of Speed 2. I, you know, I, I remember, this is like I said, one of the <laughs> moments that I remember from it. I think it's quite good. 
Okay, I think what helps here is James Horner's score does a lot of work to sort mm. of get the pulse racing when maybe the visuals aren't doing that job. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a reason I said agreed like you do. that. Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, so they emerge from the nebula and the Enterprise blows the Reliant to smithereens. Khan's face is all fucked up. He's barely alive. Yeah. His fingers are missing, Ugh. but Khan isn't done. Ooh. No, Kirk, the game's not over because he detonates the Genesis and it's going to blow in four minutes. Um... And they need three minutes to get out of there, but they don't have power. That's right. Um, for some reason, Spock suddenly departs the console at this point. What he What's he, he doing? He doesn't say anything. He just walks <laughs> off. What are you doing, Spock? It's a great moment, actually, isn't it? Of him without speaking, just mm. disappearing. Exit stage left at speed. Um, a couple of minutes later, he says to McCoy, remember... Yeah, we'll get there. We'll, okay. I, I'll get there when it when the thing happens. Oh, um, right. So Spock fixes the warp with his bare hands, uh-huh. um, and they zoom away from the explosion. I don't. We don't. We don't see Khan's face when he dies, do we? Uh, so I'll do it now because I've got a couple of changes. Uh, but this was going to be one of my changes. I initially went one way and then pulled it back the other way because I I thought, oh, you missed a trick there because you want Khan just before he dies to still be awake and to look and see the Enterprise escape and realise mm. his mission of revenge has failed. But actually, I think everyone he knows is dead on that ship and he was doing it because he was trying to avenge his wife and what does it matter if he sees it or not? And actually to have him die first, believing he's won, mm. uh, even though he's lost, is quite nice for him because he was a baddie, sure, but he was doing it for love. But the quotes are getting a bit annoying at this point, and I'd quite like him to be halfway through a quote when <laughs> he dies, up, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Like when they walk out of the, the, the room in the end of Inland of Fire when Malkovich is still talking. Do you not like it? <laughs> I like it where, like, I spit my last breath at thee. It's great. No, it's fun. It's fun stuff, but he, he gets, he's getting on my nerves by this point. So, uh, Spock's <laughs> in probably trouble. probably good that he's about to die, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's dead now. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Kurt rushes down to Spock and I love the moment Spock sort of stands up and straightens his uniform. Mm. It's a lovely touch. Um, the flaky skin doesn't look good in HD, the radioactive flaky skin on on, on his face. Yeah. They didn't do that with Chris Pine, you'll know. In uh, yeah. <laughs> so. There's a moment we think, is he bloated? No, he's not bloated. I, saw, I was like, oh, they've got it. No, yeah, they no. haven't. It was just the angle. Yeah. Just the angle of the camera. Um, but his voice is fading now, Spock, and he says, don't grieve, Captain. It is logical. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And he says, I have been and always shall be your friend. It's beautiful. Live long and prosper. And they do the Vulcan sign to each other and then he's gone. Um, <laughs> do you know, the, you know the Shatner story about this scene? I've heard him tell it. It's amazing. So, you know, obviously he's trapped in the radiation flooded compartment mm-hmm. and they can see each other through the glass. And Shatner wanted uh, that glass to not not be see-through, but just to be uh, sort, of, uh, sort of like uh, frosted. Uh-huh. So you only saw Spock's silhouette. So you can't mm. see his face. So you can't see his face because it's Shatner. Yeah. It's like, no, he said it'd just be more powerful if you can only see my face. Uh, that's, yeah, okay. That's not true, but fine. Can you imagine having to then go to work with that person? Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. Knowing that, no, doing that emotional scene, knowing that they would rather no yeah. one saw your face. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, Maya said he wrote this without having much emotion and he said he looked around and half the crew was crying and he sort of realised what he'd done. Um... So uh, we've got the funeral now. Kirk says, of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Which I think is the worst line in the film. It's not a compliment. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what makes Spock special is the fact he isn't 
Yeah. Human. Yeah, there's not, millions of other words you could use. Yeah. His was the most nice, yeah. uh, <laughs> smart. Like the Vulcans in the crowd going, I'm sorry? So what? <laughs> Well, he that's was what, that's, what I, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. like, it's so much about this this split personality that he well, has. It's so much about the best thing anyone can be is human in a, in a universe of a millions of races. Humans still best. True, yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> and when, that's what I'm saying. When you think this... Oh, sorry, see, we've got some Romulans in the crowd. How are you doing? <laughs> better than you. Oh, the Ferengi over there. Do you know what? Better than you, mate. Human. Carry on. Sorry, yeah, it's a funeral. So, so Kirk messes this up, and when you think it can't get any worse, Scotty starts playing the fucking bagpipes. <laughs> That um, was James Doohan's idea. He was like, "I'll play a me. I can. Sir. I'll play a me's in Greece. Perfect. Lovely. Uh, and then the music turns orchestral, which is uh, a lovely moment. And he's shot out into space, and that's definitely the last we'll see of Spock. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much can they do at the end of this movie? Again, against Nicholas Meyer's wishes. Yeah, I'm getting but there. They go to every length they can to go. He is coming back, relax. <laughs> yeah. They do everything but show him yawn and climb out of the coffin <laughs> on the plane. Hello? <laughs> um, so Kirk's now talking about the fact he cheated death, uh, tricked his way out, and he actually knows nothing. He knows his life was a lie. And he has a nice moment with his son. Hmm. And Nick Meyer says, um, now and only now can this man with this embrace be ready to come back to life. Uh, so that's what the film was effectively about. Um, he's heading to Seti Alpha to pick up the crew of the Radiant, and then Bone says he's not really dead as long as we remember him of Spock. That came from an article that Maya read in the New York Times about a guy called Raoul Wallenberg who saved hundreds of Jews during World War II and then went missing, and they didn't know if he was alive or dead. And, and one of his friends said, as, as long as we remember him, he's still alive. And so he just stuck that in the film. But, um, and then Kirk's last line is, I feel young. And only watched the second time. Like, oh yeah, that does actually have connotations to everything that's happened. That's it's just, it's yeah. just a weird line to end on. Yeah, I don't like. It. No. Yeah, it's the Sherlock Holmes thing, isn't it? The whole the whole idea that unless he's out there being stimulated, yeah. he wastes away. Mm. So because he's been back out mm. in the field, yes. he's got his spunk back. Yeah. So we see Spock's casket's final resting place, which is on the Genesis planet, and we've got this beautiful James Horner music. As you say, you, it's like that Man of Steel, you know, when the soil, or mm. no, the, the other Superman one, when the soil comes up of yeah. his of his casket. I hate it. Lacks the courage of its convictions, and as you said, uh, Nicholas Meyer fought against it. He doesn't believe in resurrections. He thought it was inconscionable. But he said, when Paramount saw the movie, when Leonard saw the movie, everybody said, well, gee, maybe killing him isn't such a good idea. And at that point, we got into the whole thing about remember and showing his coffin on the planet and stuff like that. All of which at the time I furiously objected to. I just thought this was so unfair to an audience of people who really cared about this shit. And then saying, you know, oh, it was just a dry hustle. I didn't think it was right. And in retrospect, you know, maybe I was wrong about that. But at the time, I just thought that my vision of the thing was being insensitively overruled. Mm. So they went and shot that that casket scene for a hundred grand in Golden Gate Bridge uh, Park uh, behind his back because I mean their argument is they thought the audience needed to leave the cinema with hope. Sure, and I get it. I don't mind it at all. No, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. I was making a joke about it earlier, but actually, I don't know. Uh, it's it's impossible to say because obviously watching this Star Trek Three was already in existence, yeah. so you don't watch it going, oh, I wonder if he's going to come back. Yeah. But I think you know. It was Leonard Nimoy anyway. He was like he was ready to retire. He wanted to do this movie because Spock died and he wanted out. And then he said, I had such fun making this movie that he didn't want Spock to die. So he was all for like a resurrection. Shatner reckons that he said he wanted to die so he could get paid more money to come back. 
Oh. Or he didn't want to be involved in that. That mm. deal. He, th- he thinks it was all a money deal. Friends will be friends. <laughs> right, she'll be Those guys, what are but, they like? but because of this, that's why Maya didn't want to be involved with, with part three. Even if he hadn't directed it, he might have come on board as a writer, but he was sort of wanted a break. But we get uh, Space the Final Frontier and it's said by Spark. Mm. Again, he's not dead, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the end. Um, so in terms of sort of additional stuff, uh, what are you going to say, Alex? No, no, no. Just I, I thought it was quite interesting that after the original script leaked, where Spock's death happened like in the first act of the film originally, like Nicholas Meyer had gone for what he said was a Janet Lee and Psycho vibe, where he was dead really early on, and then that was the first script that leaked, and that was the big fan backlash, and that's when he moved it to the end. Mm. Are you sure? Because he said he definitely didn't do that, but maybe. I mean, it's a long time ago now, isn't it? Yeah, I read two articles that said he definitely mm. did do that. So he's been back working on Trek um, since then. He was involved with Star Trek Discovery. And then um, Alex Orkey asked him if he had any more stories he wanted to tell. And he wanted to tell another tale. So this is him talking about it um, just a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, what he, what he has written. And so Alex Kurtzman um, said to me, what about doing a three-night or three-hour uh, series, a limited series, about what happened to Khan in those intervening 15 years uh, once he was left on the planet. And I said, gee, I thought that was a great idea. And I wrote it. And I thought it came out pretty good. And then I never heard from anybody again. It, uh, it's just sitting there. But that's the line I'd pursue. So, yeah, it's written. And I think the decision was taken to make sort of Eight episode, nine, ten episode Star Trek series like Picard and Discovery and, mm. and the Strange New Worlds has just come out. Whereas this was a three night, three hour thing and he didn't want to extend it longer. He felt like that was the story. Yeah. And so it's dead in the water. But it's there, it's written. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that in the same way. I guess the comparison is when they made Solo shortly after The Force Awakens. When you've just seen a character die, you don't want to see a period of their life before their death because you've already just experienced their demise. Mm. And it's sort of like treading water. It's like, I know how this ends for them, though. Yeah. So you sort of know the end of the story and you're reading the middle bit. You'll be waiting for his wife to die and you'll be, you'll be waiting for yeah. Chekhov to show up. And yeah, that's the problem with prequels, I think. Yeah. It, it takes away a bit of the <clears throat> suspense. It does. Um, right. Should we do the bits? Yeah. I think um, I just got your section headings. Oh, what were they? The other sci-fi films, and you just replaced them nope. with, the, with no. the Star Trek. Words. Incorrect. No. Um, it's going to be the tiebreaker for the quiz, though. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh your laugh was a bit loud. Then <laughs> shit, I'm deaf. Oh, very good. Shit, I'm deaf. Very good clue. I don't know. We what literally that means. talked about this at the pub the other week. Yeah. Did we? Shit, I'm deaf. Being a funny joke in this movie, and it not really actually being a joke. I just have a vague memory. Let's do the bit. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, Vicky. Was it a big night? <laughs> it was. Favorite oh. scene. Oh, uh, one second. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, Spock di- dying. Even, yeah, yeah. Be- only because I, th- I do think it's a good scene in itself. But what, I remember watching it with my granddad, and it was just the, the ripple effect was huge. Like this was such a big deal to him. He wasn't seeing it for the first time. He just liked watching it, and it was a massive, massive thing. So I remember like the, the atmosphere in the room was like, this is really, really serious. Like it was a very solemn moment. And it was always treated with huge respect mm. in that caravan. So that's why. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> the caravan of respect. <laughs> that's my that was a, that was film, that was wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Battle for Endor and the caravan of respect. Uh, so my best scene, you did it in almost its entirety. It's Spock's death. It's wonderful. 
but it is specifically the moment where it hits you like a ton of bricks and like my tear ducts just went ping mm. wide open when he gets up and straightens his mm. uniform before he speaks to his captain. It's that nobility. It's amazing. Mm. Just such a nice touch, probably from Nimoy, um, which is just because he knows the character mm. so well, but it's, it's that moment that makes that whole bit for me. Well, three for three is Spock's death. But, I mean, a close second. If I did want to pick something different, maybe that earwig scene. Yeah. I mean, that really, for fucking up my childhood, mm. you know? It's up, there with, it's up there with Superman 3, it really is. Uh, well, who's your most valuable whatever, Alex? So I, I do think Nicholas Meyer definitely deserves a lot of credit. I mean, mm. I love his quote where the thing I brought to Star Trek was a healthy amount of disrespect, which mm. is a lovely way of saying, look, I just brought this sort of like, I wasn't adhering to the sort of sanctified Star Trek universe. Uh, and I just think he is genuinely responsible for us still having Star Trek on the big screen in yeah. some way. If this movie had had bombed in the way or had been unappreciated in the way the motion picture was, we probably wouldn't have got a third, fourth, or maybe, you know, we wouldn't be here now. I doubt it, but he's a big part of that. However, my MVW is James Horner. Ah. Because that score, when Khan's ship first approaches in the surprise attack on the Enterprise, the moment that you see his ship, there's a part of the score, and I got goosebumps, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm going to play you that moment right now. Can you hum it? Because oh. I don't think we're allowed to play that. That's on fine. Our... You're allowed a few seconds. <laughs> don't say anything. Then listen to this score. Can you hum it? Because we've been told time and time again we can't play a few seconds. <laughs> listen to it's those two scores. Listen to those two scores. Yeah. One is the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. The other is James Horner Aliens. He okay. used really? the Khan <laughs> score for the NPC chase out of the uh, complex in Aliens. Oh, and you might have to imagine what effective. just happened if we've had to cut them out. No, we won't have done. It's all right. I spoke to uh, um, the James Horner estate and they said, Clash of the titles? Vicky, <laughs> who's your most valuable whatever? I was going to pick William Shatner, but I, because he just cause, just cause um, but I, I don't think this is necessarily his fault as an actor. I think this arc, this through line of, I feel old and then I'm young. It's just, I found it so annoying because don't draw attention to it. I think it's a bad idea. Like William Shatner certainly doesn't want you to draw attention to it, but I don't think he does look that old. I think it's because I'm coming at it from the next generation. You've got Jean-Luc Picard there. He's an older man and he is bossing the shit out of it. Mm. I don't need to be told that someone's old if, to me, they don't look old. So mm. every time he mentions it, he's just like, just leave it. Just leave. This, this isn't the through line. The through line is I feel useless, but not I feel knackered and old. So I'm going to go for Leonard Nimoy as Spock, mm. just for other obvious reasons. Oh, I had two. I couldn't decide between. I thought one of you would pick one of them, Who and you wait? haven't. Oh, Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, had, I had Nick Meyer and Ricardo Montalban. Um, I like what Nick Meyer does as well. Um, you said what he brought to it um, was was disrespect. I, I, I like that he brought this thing about consequences as well. It's Kirk's chickens coming home to roost. It's his ex-wife, it's his son, and it's his nemesis. Mm. I, I think that's a, a great way of approaching the story. But yeah, I'm going to go for Ricardo Montalban because yeah, someone right. should. He's yeah. just, he towers over this film. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the poster is him mm. and it's not the Star Trek crew, it's him. And I mean, it's one of the great, he's not one of the great Star Trek villains. He's one of the great villains in all of cinema. Um, so yeah, Montalban is the correct answer. And if you could change anything, what would you change? Vicky? I would like to draw out some more beats in the central romantic relationship in this movie, which is between Captain Kirk and Carol Marcus. And so I think the way you is do it, that, or is it between? Well, Spock no, I mean, and yeah, Kirk. always, obviously. Mm. 
Um, but I think so rather so basically Khan gets Chekhov to say my orders came from Admiral Kirk and she has to ring him ring him to say what the fuck is going on so I (laughs) hello (laughs) so I don't think it should be like that I think that um, something happens Khan engineers a situation that makes her reach out to him because she wants to because she only knows one man that can help her so she doesn't want to but she's like oh fucking hell there's only one man that can help me in this situation and it's you so she rings him and says look I hate having to do this and I hate asking for your help but can you come and help me please so that when he does go and help her then you've just got a bit more layers where she's like you betrayed me you brought his people no I didn't you set me up all of that just little bumps and whatever rather than so it feels like a bit admin-y for Chekhov mm. to go oh Kurt did it and so she goes okay cool I'll just give him a ring to give him a bell like it didn't, did you, you wink <laughs> I did did yeah he did very naturally know, yeah 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 I'll give him a bell I didn't even know I could do that <laughs> I did, I've been trying to teach the children to wink it's so funny. can they not wink no they go like this and then they're like look and you have you because you know you have to be like yeah. oh my god yeah, yeah. positive reinforcement I guess <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. but you want to say that's a blink mm. but you can't idiot Idiots! Why can't you wink? I can. Uh, sorry, um, that's that's my change, Alex. Um, so I love the seti eel as we've established. I think it's brilliant. Uh, you kind of touched on it, but I think it is a really big problem because the one thing I thought watching it this time, and I'm pretty sure I thought as a kid, was the minute it goes in the ear, you are like, I wonder how they're going to get that out of him. Because he makes a point of saying it wraps around your spinal cord and it makes you go mad and it grows inside your head. And you're like, shit, Kirk's going to have to get that out of Chekhov because Chekhov's his man. And then they never mention, but sometimes <laughs> it just leaves. <laughs> it just come out. Well, just say, it it uh, can only be defeated by loyalty. They never say that. No, but th- I You've think that's made the- that up. But no, but that's the the idea, isn't it? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's reaching. Yeah, because yeah, also what? Because it, it killed <laughs> it killed Khan's wife. Was she not loyal to him in any way that she could defeat them? Even? Yeah, but Khan's no Kirk. True. I think. I think. I honestly, I respect your idea, but you are reaching. Like, are we suggesting? But what that, else is it? That, that we, is we're what, we're what suggesting is it? that the hormones that are released when someone feels loyal are enough to detach it. Well, what from, else is it? Do you what want else me to? I'll tell you what it is. It's, some, it's Tyrell, an oversight by the filmmakers. Terrell <laughs> died. He, he turns his phaser on himself. Mm. So I thought, and I thought this as a child because I was like banging into Star Trek. These two worms, eels. Uh, the one in Terrell and the one in Chekhov, in the language of Star Trek, are symbiotically linked so that when one expires, the other one just plops out. Nice. That's it. That's a bit better. Yeah. I still think people just went, uh, nothing. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, look, it's just crawled out. It's gross. It's so gross. People won't care. That's true. <laughs> so there's that. And I also think when the new planet, the Genesis planet, has been created and Carol runs onto the bridge and Kirk goes, My God, Carol. <laughs> Look at it. He should just say, my God, Carol. Because that works in two ways. Because she is now pretty much a god and has oh, just yeah. <laughs> created a world from nothing. Yeah. So it'd be better if he just went, my God, Carol, you you are a god. Because well, also after her saying, I'll show you something that makes you feel younger, and you say, my God, look at it. Your mind goes somewhere else. <laughs> Don't you think that uh, Tyrell should, should die on the planet and then so it's just Chekhov hmm? now. And that you we kill. Let this go. I know it's really we, ki- we kill. We kill Chekhov here. So Chekhov 
kills himself rather than kill his captain, and we get rid of Chekhov. Kill him. <gasps> but then you, then you lose nuclear vessels. Yeah, he was um, my favourite yeah, when I was little. I, he was my favourite yeah. as well. I even rented a movie called Moontrap because he was the lead in it, Walter Koenig, and it was one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, yeah, no, you can't kill Chekhov and Spock in the same movie. You, they don't kill Spock. Right, so Chekhov dies halfway through. Spock's fine at the end of this film. Okay, it's a big swing, Chris. Yes, that's what I'm all about. I like it. Also, can they stop using torpedo casings as coffins? I know. Because it's got Mark 4 or 6 written on it. And you're like, well, it's torpedo casing. It's like, what... Why? Surely you carry coffins, or yeah. like, what do you do with your dead? Or is it just like, oh god? And I've got a spare spent do, torpedo. Do yeah. People so rarely die that it's like we don't bother carrying coffins of any kind. Dead weight. We just. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. Thanks. So yeah, buy, buy some coffins. Is my change. Mm. Buy some coffins. Yeah. Uh, I said my change. That I, I, I've, I would love to have seen uh, McGivers play a part in this story. I think it would have been really interesting. Um, if the, the d- dynamic would have been more interesting if a former member of Kirk's crew was on the villain side. Um, but I've said that. I don't know. Should Khan be played by a Mexican actor? I don't know. If you watch the TV episode, they've put some very questionable makeup mm. on, on Montalban. Um, he's obviously, he's got, it's a South Asian name. It's obviously based on Genghis Khan mm. and they've just given us a Mexican actor. I don't know if we maybe need to explain that. We can talk about that maybe a bit more on Thursday. Yeah, well, they they sort of... They try and avoid giving his full name ever mm. on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, I have things to say about that. We'll get there. So uh, that's that. So let's do a quiz. Aye. So on Thursday, the quiz is what were the titles of each section? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> they were other films. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it in the pub. Um, the... It's pointless because I'll obviously just forget. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'm deaf. I mean, it's just, it's really annoying me. It sounds so you familiar. Thought, you thought that was really funny the other day. Did I? We, we kept repeating it. It's the worst best joke yeah. from the first movie in, in this, this series. series that I just paid tribute yeah. to. Um, it's what I say. It's the, it's the Marvel movies of the 80s. Mm. Um, so, uh, so, we'll find out on Thursday, spoiler alert, that John Harrison is Khan. Oi, so oi. the quiz, Whoa. the quiz this week is who is this character better known as? So if I said Princess Ariel, you'd say Little Mermaid. Exactly, you've got the hang of it. Okay. So all right, next character. I see you. <laughs> next character. Okay. Barbara Millicent Roberts. Captain Marvel. No. Um, that was a good guess. The creator named this character after her daughter. Barbie. Correct. <laughs> Big Barbie fan over there. <laughs> um, who is John Clayton II better known as? And it's from Are they all movie characters. Apollo Creed. Mm, sort of. I mean, they, I think they're, they're both in in literature and movies because okay. they're, they're they're well known. Uh, not Apollo Creed. This is from a 1914 novel by Edgar Rice Burroughs. John Carter. No, the more famous Edgar Rice Burroughs character, who's been in. Tarzan. Correct. Oh. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Sorry. It's okay. This isn't about you, actually, I've realised. Oh, okay. You're fighting with yourself over there. Yeah. Right, okay. Is it about me? I'm just, um, I'm just an accelerant. <laughs> yeah, you are. Who That's is... a compliment, actually, so no, you're not. Okay, Vicky, I'm going to address this to you. You're an you. irritant. Carry on. Who is Princess Aurora better known as? Sleeping Beauty. Correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm all right now. Okay, this one's a mad one. Let me get my glasses in place. Who is this character better known as? Oscar Zoroaster 
Fadrick, Isaac, Norman, Henkel, Emmanuel, Ambrose, Diggs. Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street. Oh, you're not far off. Big Bird. It's not not Sesame Street. Okay, Kermit Uh, the Frog. uh, And I'd say he is the title character in one of the ten most famous films of all time. An old film. Oh, the, uh, the Tin Man, the lion from uh, the the Scarecrow, <laughs> the lion from Sleep It, Toto, D- uh, Dorothy's the, dad, granddad, <laughs> Wizard of Oz, correct. Oh, oh shit! How can you not get the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I don't know. Really famous, oh. Dorothy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she live with her aunt and uncle? Anyway? There was a more obvious one on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I'm gonna cry. Do you see what this does to me? I'm not. It's that I say the stupidest Wizard of Oz or Dorothy's dad? Which one's more famous? And bear in mind, I'd literally done every other character. Yeah, I wondered when you were going to get to it. Um, All right. I like this is a good one. Uh, Don Diego de la Vega. Zorro. Correct! Yay! <laughs> oh, um, and if you get this, you're in the tiebreaker. Yeah, but we've established I don't know what the tiebreaker is. No, no, I, I, that wasn't a real tiebreaker. Okay. Oh. Oh, and you'll either know this or you won't, you two. Experiment 626. Short Circuit. No, if you haven't seen the film, you're not going to know this. It's a good film as well. Uh, that is, it's a kid's film, animated film, Disney. Wally. No. Uh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. It's got lots of Elvis in it. It's got a lot of Elvis in it. Mm, it's all Elvis songs. set in Hawaii, but it's not Moana. Moana. Oh, um, Lionel and Stitch. Lionel and Stitch, no! Correct. No! No! <laughs> no! She picked something up again. You, we've spoken about oh, this. What did you pick up? That's, pick, that's, that's metal. That's a hard That's object. metal. Vicky. I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I would never. I don't trust I would, you. I know you should It's reflex. <laughs> I'm so it's, sorry. It hulks out. It's like rage. <laughs> it's the rage virus. I just get so mad. Experiment 626 is Stitch. Okay, Alex is the winner, 4-2. Well done, Alex. Um, So that's the first film of this week done. But what are we doing (laughs) next week, Alex Zane? A clue, if you please. Okay. It's time to check out this amazing quartet. It's time to check out this amazing quartet. Okay. Mm, Do you Um, like music? Or not? Okay. Well, no, you've spoiled it now by saying music. Oh, shit. Sorry. It's not musical. (laughs) Is it not? It's not a I hard day's night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing curveballs left, right and centre now. Some just can't check out this amazing quartet. All right, that's your lot. Uh, if okay. you want to keep up with us on the socials, we're at ClashPod at both Twitter and Instagram. While we love a subscribe or a review or a recommend, so why not do all three before the day is out? Come on, you know you want to. And that really is your lot. As ever, thanks for listening and we'll be back on Thursday with Star Trek Into Dark. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.